0: Welcome to Swish and Flick, an all-Potter podcast. Swish and Flick, everyone. Swish Swish and Flick.
1: Flick. Well, hi, everybody. Um, My name is Vanessa. Um, I am here with Swish and Flick. They invited me along um, because I am a mental health nurse. Um, I work with foster children, connecting them with resources like therapies and testing for things like autism spectrum, fetal alcohol syndrome, um, and getting like both therapies and medications like through insurance and all of that. So uh,
2: that's why they invited me. And I think we have four episodes on. <laughs> we which do. We've collaborated. <laughs> I want to say it was in 2020. We did... Two episodes on Swish and Flick, and two episodes on Vanessa's podcast called "Don't Call Me Crazy." Um, also, I am Megan from Swish and Flick. If you have never listened to us before, and I'm Katie. <laughs> and um, yeah, so those episodes are are up, and we're we're going to talk a little bit about what we did talk about on those episodes, but kind of maybe go more in depth on certain aspects of it, such as like the the comparisons to like real world. Um, real-world mental health, what's the word I'm looking for, Um, pharmaceuticals and stuff like things that like you can actually use in the real world to help with mental health and then things that the wizarding world has and then the things that they lack, which is a lot. It's everything, (laughs) really. Well, and
1: to, you know, there have been two other mental health presentations I think over the week. I don't know if any of you guys attended them. or. Taught them. I wasn't sure, um, but one was done by a therapist and one was done by a psych psychologist, I believe. And so I'm trying to go from the angle that I know best, which is like resources and medicine. And I also have a past history as an archaeologist, so I did a lot of like. I mean, archaeology is basically just practical history. So I I like to get a little. Deep and sweaty about the, uh, you know the history of medicine and mental health and
2: magic we and like medicine. to do that on swish and flick yeah deep and sweaty yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: all right do you want to oh, well let's start out with we just want to give like a trigger warning because we are talking about mental health which will involve mental health issues or um, maybe even like HIV-AIDS, um, the LGBT community, just in case anybody gets triggered by any of those things, just so you know that we're going to be talking about those.
1: And I am both not a licensed therapist and not your nurse or doctor, right. so please don't <laughs> take any of this as medical advice. I'm just trying to share the knowledge that I do have um, with all of you. So, um, Well, I'll start off, if that's yeah, okay. Kick it um, off. I want to get a little audience participation at first. What, to you, is mental health? Does anyone want to raise their hand? No? You?
2: Yeah, I would say it's like the social, mental, uh, psychological well-being of a person. It's all that is a
1: great description, thank you. And what I'd like to call attention to, though, is that is all, uh, you can't point to a part of your body where mental health sits. Right, like most people would say your brain, but your brain is just a processing center. Um, maybe then you could say like your brain and nervous tract, but serotonin, for example, is made in your stomach. So then where does your mental health sit? We don't really know. Um, I don't know if you've heard of someone named Deepak Chopra. Um, he's kind of this new age guru type guy that's been around since the seventies and eighties. And what's fascinating about him and what he talks about is he originates from India. So he has that kind of Hindu yoga background, right? But he was an endocrinologist by trade. So he is a doctor of hormones. And what he kind of writes about over and over again over the last, I don't know how old I am, 40 years, is that we don't really know what is the trigger for hormones for example
2: let's say you are well okay a little background i love this example i'm just saying (laughs) she told us this before we started and it's like i just never thought of it this way so it's really interesting
1: so uh, a little like background on hormones stress hormones for example that's like cortisol epinephrine that makes you anxious stressed um It stops you from being able to sleep at night, but it's important because in a stressful fight or flight response, you need to be able to jump, move, do what you need to do, right? My brain Um, thinks that constantly. Right, yeah, I mean, that's, I'll get into that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When we talk about Harry. Um, But then there's the love hormone, right? Oxytocin, uh, for example. And what is fascinating is we do not know what triggers the release for those hormones. So here's a perfect example. Let's say you are petting a dog, right? You do not like dogs or you're scared of this dog. Your body is going to release cortisol, the stress hormone. If you like the dog, you are your body's gonna release oxytocin. What is the difference? They're really, we don't know what the trigger is. And that is what thought is. Thought is that like dark material in your head that we don't really understand, but we see the effect that it has on us. And that's what in mental health, we try to treat with therapies, right? Therapy is supposed to help you with your thought process, help you with like the negative thoughts you have, the stress response thoughts you have. And try it tries to change your association so that you are no longer you know, stressed out whenever you pet a dog, if you have a history of being bitten by dogs, for example. And I think that's magical. I think it's magical that we have no idea what this X factor thought is. We can talk around it in psychiatry, in psychology, in medicine, in, you know, therapies, but we don't really know what it is. Um, And, you know, I think that is beautiful.
2: Yeah, it's just so crazy to me that like, those responses can also just come from the same person. So like it could be me going over to a friend's house and I've had a bad experience with this dog, but I do love dogs, but I don't love this dog. So I can pet that specific dog and my body will make me feel stressed. But then I can go home to my dog and I will feel happy holding my dog. But it's like the same process that you're doing. It's just like your experiences or something that affects the hormones that get released.
1: And you see so much of that in magic right, in Harry Potter, uh, which we're finally bringing it background Harry Potter. Um,
2: the it's pro- good background though,
1: yeah, we, had, yeah. we had to get yeah, there. Necessary, we had to, <laughs> you needed it. Let's get to this point. Right? Yeah. Um, the big example that everyone talks about is Dementors and Expecto Patronum, right? And there are articles already out there, J.K. Rowling has said that, you know, when, you, when she based her experience with depression, and her experience with CBT or um, cognitive behavioral therapy with uh, expectorotrom, and you know uh, when he's being taught it by Remus, he's being taught to think of positive thoughts, to kind of pull himself away from the the sadness and the depression and the anxiety and the you know whatever the dementors are pulling out of him, and
2: reframe those thoughts.
1: But it's hard, and that's why therapy is hard.
2: And that's why that spell is so hard to cast, and especially hard for someone Harry's age to cast. And that's why it's so amazing that he can cast that spell. Exactly.
1: And you know, kind of bringing it back around to Harry, the kid needs therapy. Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the characters
1: need therapy. So many of the characters need therapy. Um, and like Harry, for example, he has he has a childhood of trauma. You know, and again, I work with children and children under a certain age, if they don't um, what we call attach well, um, if they aren't provided with obviously food, water, um, housing, comfort, but then also love and um, support, right? You're going to have a lifetime of stress um, unless you work on you know reframing your thought process because basically his brain has sat in a
2: bath of cortisol
3: oh, oh harry that makes me really
2: sad <laughs> sometimes talking about like harry's upbringing and how petunia and vernon treated him is just like i don't know i just get big sad like real sad <laughs> <laughs> well, It makes you wonder like how often was he, the kid even like held Exactly. That's very I important about for like, go anyone, back. but especially an infant, like, touch is exactly. so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, can you picture Aunt Petunia just, like, cuddling Harry when he's an, a baby? I mean, I know he was he was one, right, whenever he went there, but, like, Still. do you need to hold them? And, like, I just can't ever picture her doing that. So, like, this clearly matches with him having, what is it called, the Pat- it's attachment theory. Yeah,
1: so attachment theory is something they talk a lot about in therapy because,
2: like, again, if you're under
1: four or under 10 or whatever and you don't get those basic needs met, um, you're going to have difficulty in your social relationships. And, you know, there, I think there's four types. i pull it up
3: because I, I don't have this
2: memorized. Um, Sorry, I just dropped that on you. I was like, okay, talk about it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: with attachment theory, um, Harry's biggest issue is you know, he didn't have those needs met. And so when people have difficulty with, or they didn't attach well, they are either what they call anxious, ambivalent, disorganized, or avoidant. And I would say, this is just my personal opinion, but especially seeing how he behaves in Curse Child, he's very avoidant. He struggles to kind of connect with his emotions, connect with other people. Um, He avoids his emotions if he can.
2: Um, He does that throughout. Yeah, he does. The whole series. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like it's it's just interesting to see it um, in adult Harry. almost like presents a little differently. And it's yeah. it's easier to see it right away whenever he's in, he's interesting in Curse Child. Yeah,
4: Well, so many characters too, like Sirius and Snape and Harry, like they're all stunted in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Like Sirius and Snape were stunted and like never got to get out of the teenage phase, really. They never got to grow up. Harry didn't get to grow up in a different way where he had to be like an adult first and then like needed to
1: process that all later. But I don't know if he ever did. Well, and I hear psychiatrists talk about this a lot with the kids I work with because where when your trauma happens, sometimes you get kind of like flash frozen at that age, right? And I don't know if you've ever taken like a psychiatry or psychology 101 class, but they kind of go through like the developmental stages of like you know um, this is a little Freudian, but like mouth fixation or like you know things like that, but the the what they're talking about is that it's hard to move past your, your emotional growth if your damage was done at a certain age, right? But we can all work on ourselves, right? Just because, or emo, emotions and your brain are a learned process. You can unlearn it. It's just hard to do. <laughs> uh, it really is. It takes a lot of work over the years. Um, And, but we touched on medicines, right? A little bit. And so we kind of like to talk about what we give people in real life, right? Like what we treat in psychiatry, and then try to talk about like Harry Potter, you know, conversions basically. That's where we'll come in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like in psychiatry, we treat Mood stability, right? There are mood stabilizers. Um, We have antidepressants for when, you know, you have issues with depression. Um, We have sleep aids if you have trouble with sleeping. Um, And we have ADHD meds for focus issues, right? Um, That's everything. Um, Those are interesting to talk about because even though, yes, we have these like medical, like, very human-made medicines. They all have origins in herbal medicine. Um, and again, historically, medicine and magic are very intertwined over the years. You know, they, the, I mean, literally potions, right? The word tri- tri- treacle, treacle, um, originated as a, like an herbal rene- remedy made from herbs. Um, the origin for the word bizarre um is from um you know those hairy ball things that are gross um okay. people thinking that that was a cure for um like poisoning and they've actually found that they they can help with like arsenic poisoning which is mm. interesting um but jk rowling uses a lot of real world
2: herbal examples to kind of you know address So like put in the potions and things, yeah, which is really interesting, like some of the ingredients, we don't have ingredients for all of the potions that are mentioned, but some of the ingredients that are mentioned, like, literally do have historical roots with what those potions end up doing for you. Mm -hmm. Roots. (laughs) Katie bringing the dad joke. (laughs) That's my job, that's why I'm here.
1: So we kind of broke down to, like, spells and potions that can work. Um, So let's talk about antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds. In the real world, they often work on neurotransmitters, which are another kind of hormone, like serotonin, dopamine. um, Yeah, mostly those. Um, But did you want to talk about the draught of
2: peace? Yeah. Yeah. Before I go into that, I just want to say that like, what does the magical world have in terms of mental health? So the only thing that we know of is that they have healers. And then they have, um, I mean, I guess I would, Madame Pomfrey is just a healer, right? Yeah, so they just have, they're the only medical professionals that we're aware of in the wizarding world. Um, And we don't know if there is even like different sectors of healers. We just know them as an umbrella term and that they work at St. Mungo's so even though this is a magical world where the impossible is possible there are very defined rules and there's still this fear of being mad or crazy there's this stigma in harry potter um, towards mental illness so like luna for example they call her loony love good she's weird for believing in things that aren't there Um, Xenophilius is viewed the same way. Professor Trelawney is viewed that way because what she believes in is divination. Harry hearing voices in Chamber of Secrets, it's very drilled into our head that that is not normal and that that's something to be worried about and concerned about, so it's like a stigma is put on that. Um, Mad-Eye Moody has classic signs of PTSD and muggles are depicted as dim-witted and then the crazy are often locked away, for example, Alice and Frank Longbottom Gilderoy Lockhart they aren't really given true help they're just put in Saint Mungo's and left there which is not okay um, do you
1: well I think too like the wizarding world is a very practical world and so if they don't have a potion or spell for it they don't seem to do anything about it
4: oh well I right? well, guess we don't have anything else <laughs>
1: exactly not like therapy wouldn't work for. You know a
2: wizarding person they have a brain too right if they, they had brain. therapy in the wizarding world we wouldn't have a book series <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i mean like truly though yeah. like most of the things that happen are like they would be fixed with talking <laughs> so i mean obviously there's a reason that there is no therapy but like the help that it would give those characters is immense
4: yeah um, so going back to like medicinal stuff. Um, we, we were talking about the giraffe piece? Is that what you're Yes. Mean? Okay, sorry. Yeah. So the Wizarding World does acknowledge mental health, sort of. Like Meg said, kind of just slap a Band-Aid over it, and that's all you can do. We can't speak about our feelings. Um, but there are potions, there's charms, um, but they really only focus on medicinal and medicinal only.
2: And also like very short term. Yeah. It's like take this to help you sleep for one night or take this right. to make you feel happy for a few hours it's very like it's very short quick and like katie just said only medicinal like they're like we've said a million times already there's no like talking therapy to help them out
4: well and what we're about to talk about the i'm going to say it wrong the draft of peace it's drafts yes I okay it I, say it yeah. yeah. draft. um, I mean like Harry Potter goes and sees Lord Voldemort rise back into a body and goes to this whole traumatic thing of seeing someone die. And then they're just like, just take this potion and sleep. You'll be fine. And then no one ever speaks to him for like the whole summer, and the whole next year. That's It'll not okay. You'll be fine after one night of sleep. It's fine. It's a dreamless sleep. You'll be okay.
3: <laughs> anyway,
4: so the dreamless... Oh, is this two different things? It oh is actually, but... It, but- they go together. It's okay. Okay, so there is the dream of sleep post- potion, aka the sleeping draught, draught, and, draft. The, and <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm out. I'm walking out. You guys take care of this. Oh my god, the sleeping draught. And then there's also the draft of peace, aka the calming
0: draft.
2: Those seem very similar to me, but it's fine. Well, like one. The one makes you sleep. Sleep. The calming one doesn't doesn't necessarily make you sleep. It just like calms your anxiety, supposedly.
1: I think the one, not the one, but one of the uses of the Draught of Peace is I think Madame Pomfrey gives it to fifth years before their uh, owls to, yeah, you know, calm them down because they're having panic attacks from exams. I mean, that's an anti-anxiety
2: potion, right? Is that like giving fifth year students CBD? it's like, "Oh yeah, go chill. It's going to be fine." <laughs> In children's
1: psychiatry, there are like non, you know, addictive medications you yeah. can give to help with anxiety. I mean, Benadryl is a very like
2: easy obvious
1: example, but So
2: it's like telling all of them go pop a Benadryl. Yeah. yeah. I,
1: mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's stronger. I mean, maybe it's like maybe it's like uh uh I feel like, like it's extra stronger. strength Benadryl. Anxiety. I <laughs> feel like it's got to be
0: stronger.
4: <laughs> Anyway, dreamless sleep. Do we know of cool ingredients in that? Um,
2: yes, I have it pulled up. Dreamless sleep. So I know that there's um, valer- valerian root and lavender are two of the ingredients. And, like, we- lavender is the most obvious for me because, I mean, you go and you buy, like, lavender sprays for your pillows or something like that or, like, oils to help you, like, feel calm and it's supposed to help you sleep. But there's also... Um, there's also root See, with roots with valerian root I'm mean, using the same yeah. word like a lot but um, so what exactly is Valerian root
1: so Valerian root has been used for forever in you know herbal historical medicine right and um, I think I think there's like written documents all the way back to like you know BC area basically where Valerian root is mentioned um, And yeah, it helps calm you down. It's used in like current day, you know, anti, uh, or uh, sleeping medications, right? Um, And there's also St. John's Wort, which I think a lot of people have heard of, um, but it it has um, anti-anxiety uses, right? Um, But what's really interesting is J.K. Rowling, I was trying to find like book sources of her using St. John's Word. And one of the ones I found was, um, I think like the, the
2: it's fourth? the textbook for yeah. potions for fourth year students.
1: Yeah, so in fourth year, one of the textbooks they use is a real life book. Um, I'm to find the name of it.
4: Amateur hour, sorry, I had my <laughs> sound on.
1: Here we go, okay. So the real name of the book is a collection of above three hundred recipes in cookery, physics, which is like medicine, and surgery for good, wise, tender mothers and careful nurses. That's and a wide umbrella. I know, it's also <laughs> a very long title, and it's not only a very long title, but it's it, basically they're getting around the word witch, right? That's what witches were back in the day. They mm-hmm. were female, like herbal local healers, right? And every mother was basically a healer. Um, the local you know, um, single woman who had been around since forever, maybe she's 40, 50 years old, that was considered old then, right? Um, has had a lifetime of helping her, her sisters or her um, you know, children birth um, babies and she knows herbal medicine. Um, so I think it's fascinating that JK Rowling actually used a real life book uh, that you can get out there and it's on the Library of Congress for free, so I recommend you it up, it's very interesting. <laughs> there are definitely some interesting recipes in there, um, but JK Rowling uses that and I think it's the, the, the one recipe they use it in is for mad dog bites, so for rabies, but it's meant to calm you down, right? Um, so I just think that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, I also, I was... I didn't see that this was also one of the ingredients in it. There's like two versions of the sleeping draft because I think one is like a video game version of it, and then another version is from the Book of Potions, which I think is a different video game, right? I think that if that's you the PlayStation one. If you come in with Jacob's sibling, I no, will walk this is, out of this. It's room. not, okay. <laughs> if anybody has looked at the wiki, sometimes they include things from the um, game, oh gosh, what is it called? Hogwarts Mystery, yes, thank you. And they, like, have this stuff in the wiki as canon. And it'll be like, Jacob's sister did blah, blah, blah. And we're like, (laughs) what? (laughs) We just like to make fun of it. (laughs) So, um, no, it's not. I don't think it's that. It's, like, one of the uh, PC games from, like, way back in the day. And then The Book of Potions is that PlayStation game. So it also says that Wormwood is in it, which says um, that it excites... The nervous system so that like is the opposite isn't it
1: yeah I it's mean, kind of weird i guess maybe they're like
2: trying to like balance it out or something world but. is in real
1: world absent, so it's actually like somewhat of a mild hallucinogenic Oh, um, so it's in which potion because I, I have i'm curious about that no, witch witch pot. oh sorry
2: water. that was so loud i'm so sorry it's it's in the sleeping draft
1: Sleeping or the dreamless. They're the same thing. Okay, so here's an interesting thing about
2: also Flowerworm worm mucus. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Never mind. I'll just dream.
1: But here's an interesting <laughs> thing about like real world magic. Right? Is uh, I don't know if you've heard of um, homeopathic or sympathetic magic. The the what homeopathic literally means is this like the same a little bit of something works to cure something right and that goes a little bit both ways like a little bit of poison cures poison um and that might be what the wormwood does in small portions um and we still use that in, in real world medicine today there are again if you use a little bit of the thing that hurts you it can help your body build up immunity so that when it encounters a bigger quantity of it, your body reacts and can fend it off. Um, so that might be interesting. why wormwood is in the dreamless sleep pressure. So mm-hmm.
4: glad you're here.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Thanks for being you. <laughs> uh, before I totally messed up our order, we can actually talk about the draft of peace now, <laughs> slash the
2: calming draft. Um, Do you want to talk about the fun stuff inside of it? Me? Yeah. Sure. Um, The one thing that I pulled that's in the draft of peace is uh, powdered moonstone, which I thought was interesting. And uh, sorry, I'm like, sometimes doing this stuff on an iPad is not good. Um, So there are like spiritual qualities of moonstone. And moonstone represents inner clarity Um, cyclical change and a connection to the feminine. And it is a symbol of light and hope and also encourages us to embrace new beginnings.
4: That's kind of nice, it's like, it's trying to encourage you to wake up and have a better day, I guess. New beginning, (laughs) go to sleep, or calm
1: down.
2: I like to think a lot
1: of these things act in our muggle bodies just like they act and wizard bodies right and so like mm-hmm. uh, all those hormones i was talking about earlier i would hope that some of these potions or spells would work on the body in the same way
2: yeah for sure there's also hellbore um and unicorn horn we don't have real world example of that one but
1: <laughs> give me a couple minutes i can come up with something
2: <laughs> <laughs> just shout it out when you think of it is hellborn real Yes, it is. It's a plant. Um, I'm trying... I didn't see this one before. What is the word I'm looking for? You can specifically look up Hellbore Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty great. Oh, it's most often used as a poison. Well, that goes along with what you are saying. Yeah, occasionally used to heal. Its primary role was more sinister. Basically, it was most often used as a poison. It's unlucky victims eventually died of cardiac arrest after imagine. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Swelling, slowed heart rate. Meg! (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's what it says. Well, I mean, uh, jumping topics a little bit, but Wolfsbane, you know, is in the Wolfsbane potion. And we know that Wolfsbane is poisonous to wolves, but they put a small amount of it in Wolfsbane to calm. Keep the wolf away. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I I do, I like the research that was done into a lot of the Hogwarts um, or in in Harry Potter's world because there are real world examples of a lot of these. So, um, did we want to move on to mood stabilizers? This is like my jam. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So mood stabilizers in, again, the muggle world, um, they often act on Brains where the chemistry is off, right? Like in bipolar disorder, sometimes you have too much or too little. Or you get waves of dopamine followed by waves of, you know, cortisol. Right? Um, your brain isn't really able to balance very well, and so they use two types of mood stabilizers. One is um, more of like salt based, and those are also anti seizure meds. Um, but we know that salt can help pull things or pull things out of the system, right? Um, And so that's kind of how they act on the brain a little bit is they kind of help keep the balance. Um, and And then there are antipsychotics that are used for moods and those, it's like maybe you have too little or too much of dopamine. Right, and if you have too much, you can go into like a manic phase where you're too excitable, you can't sleep, you're running around, you know, you're making poor decisions, you have no impulse control. Um, so they want to bring that down, right? Um, even though a lot of people who have gone through a manic phase say it's really enjoyable to them. Um, and then they also try to bring you up when you are when you you used up all this dopamine in your system and then you crash, right? So then it's, it's just trying to balance you out. Um, and I tried to find some examples in Harry Potter, um, one that I thought was interesting, and this might be stretching it a little bit, but the elixir to induce euphoria. Harry brews it in Slughorn's class, and they mentioned that the side effects can be excessive singing, which is that mania, um, and nose twitching, which is tics. And both of those are actually side effects of some antidepressants um, and a lot of antipsychotics. So I thought that was interesting.
2: Hey, this is Megan from Swish and Flick. I wanted to tell you all about Book of the Month. I love the curated list of books that is available every month. It makes it so easy to find something for you. Book of the Month focuses on new and upcoming authors. It's really helped me to venture beyond my regular genres. I'm so excited at the start of every month to see what book of the month has picked and what's better than getting a cute blue box in the mail with a book in it. I was so excited to see this month, the paradise problem by Christina Lauren was a pick. You guys know how much I love their writing. I've already started it and it's everything you could expect from a Christina Lauren novel. Book of the month is offering a great intro offer for the month of May. You get your first book for $5 with the code Petals. P-E-T-A-L-S. And shipping is always free. Head on over to bookofthemonth.com and use code Petals.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 2.49 dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: Um, and then the cheering charms. I don't mm-hmm. really know what people use cheering charms for, um... To make you smile. <laughs> right. <What? Yeah.
4: laughs> I always kind of wondered, like, what the exact use of that was. Like, other than, like, maybe a prank, like, I don't know. You're going to a job interview. I'm going to make you super happy and weird. Good luck.
2: I don't know. But also it's, like, how, how they come across in Harry Potter, it's almost like it's too much. It's not ever, like, it's this good amount that, like, mellows you out and just makes you happy. It, like, makes you overly excitable. So, like, really, what is the purpose of it? but a prank or something like that.
4: Yeah. Um, Do we want to go into some of the other
1: things that we have listed here?
2: Yeah. Um, Um, Go
1: ahead. Oh, well, we kind of went over sleep aids a little bit. Um, But one thing I found interesting was dreamless sleep is supposed to um, cause you not to have dreams, right? Well, in the real world, uh, there's a medication called Prozosin, and it... um, can help people who have PTSD not have nightmares. And the way that it works is that it actually lowers the amount of the stress hormone in your system. And so it's not gonna prevent all nightmares, but it's gonna prevent those stress-induced nightmares. And so I kind of like to think in my head that that's how dreamless
2: sleep potion works. Who but do you think that that could also be a comparison to like using a pensive, so like you can decide to take those stressful memories out and put them somewhere to lessen their intensity and like bring you down a little bit with like overthinking about it
1: yeah I'd like to think that hopefully yeah I or, mean Harry's needed it a lot over the years
2: yeah or like or even occlumency so like can this be a version of closing your mind to push away bad memories and trauma, like a way to protect yourself? So, almost like a coping mechanism for PTSD, possibly. My oh, therapist definitely. would call that a safety behavior.
1: And, or they <laughs> call it mindfulness exercises, right? In the way that. Do you know how exactly Snape describes occ- occlumency in the book? Because we only really have his explanations, right? I think it's in.
2: I can pull that up if you want to keep talking. I can try and find it.
1: Yeah. So I kind of try not to bring it back to Deepak Chopra, but he's a kind of new age guru person, right? And he, he talks a lot about meditation and mindfulness and how we can kind of pull ourselves into the present moment so we're not dwelling on the past or stressing about the future, right? That's really what meditation is. It's not too much more complicated than that. Um, it's, you know, acknowledging the moment you're in and they, Snape I think says clearing your mind, but that's not 100% what meditation is. It's more like you acknowledge the thought and then you let it go, right? You acknowledge a stressful thought and then you let that go. And it's a lot about like concentrating on your breathing right, when you think about meditation. I would like to think Occlamans kind of need to do the same thing, right? And focusing all of your attention on just your breathing, for example, can clear everything else out of your head. And then another benefit of concentrating on your breathing is if you slow your breath down, it actually can affect your autonomic system and take you out of your body's stressful response. Everyone
2: take a good, deep breath right now. <laughs> you found something. I did, but I guess he... So Snape explains it to Harry at Grimwald Place before he actually goes and has a lesson with him. Um, so I'm just trying to see like what exactly he says at Grimwald Place. I know we've all read
4: it, but I still just have a hard time picturing them in any other space than like at Hogwarts. It's just uncomfortable for me.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. It was like that AI Dobby. No. Oh my God.
1: No, that AI uh, Snape picture with uh, McGonagall
2: on the beach. Like, oh.
1: Snape, no, not Snape. Sorry. Uh, Voldemort.
3: Voldemort, Voldemort of on the beach. Be That's
2: uh, horrible. Okay, I found it. So this is chapter twenty-four of um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. The chapter is called Occlumency. Um So they're in Grimald Place, and Snape comes to tell Harry that he's going to have lessons with him, and he says, the headmaster has sent me to tell you, Potter, that it is his wish for you to study occlumency this term. Study what? Said Harry blankly. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Snape's what? sneer became more pronounced. <laughs> I have what? <laughs> I love that name. I love that <laughs> oh, Snape says, occlumency, Potter, the magical defense of the mind against external penetration, an obscure branch of magic, but a highly useful one. And then he asks, why do I, why do I have to study occlumency? thing (laughs) um because the headmaster thinks it's a good idea you will receive private lessons once a week but you will not tell anybody what you're doing least of all dolores embridge you understand and that's really it but then he does go into it a little bit more whenever he is actually there for his first lesson which is in the same chapter and he says Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, occlumency, as I told you back in your dear godfather's kitchen, this branch of magic seals the mind against magical intrusion and influence. Um, I think that does go along with, I like the idea of like, if you're going
4: to have, if you're trying to close your mind off, you're going you're to have thoughts that are come in that you need to let go. So you can acknowledge it, let it go. Yeah. Focus on your breathing.
2: I like that a lot. I'm really proud of myself for finding that. <laughs> Good,
4: <Thank> job. Job. <laughs> Good job. Good
2: <laughs> job. Oh, thank God for the search feature on oh, no. Kindle. Honestly. Um.
1: So, another thing that the the Wizarding World has like nothing of is any sort of supports for children trying to learn. Right? There's no. Um, like diagnosing of ADHD or like writing issues or memory issues. I mean, poor Neville.
2: They give <laughs> them the calming draft before tests. <laughs> I and
1: mean, what a remember all supposed to do? Except if I had a remember all and I saw it red, I would just feel more anxious. Yes, yes. I
2: would be nervous. like, I'm not gonna figure out what I'm forgetting. It I needs to be
4: it. like a magic eight ball where it was like,
1: you
2: forgot your robes, you yes, know? Exactly. <laughs> like
1: it's magic. Why can't it just tell you? That's
2: right. <laughs> there has to be a better solution. There is. There is.
1: There is. You know, in in the real world, we not only address things with focus, but with medications that help with focus. We also have what are called IEPs, Individual Education Plans. Anyone who works in education or works with kids or has kids has probably heard of this. And there are non-pharmaceutical interventions. like. If you have issues with focus, we separate you out of the room for exams, right? We, we make it so you can concentrate. We give you a little bit more time on homework. Um, we try to take away more distractions. We put you at the front of the room. All of these things could be done In the wizarding world, don't ask Snape
2: to do any of those things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What kind of education experience did Snape have before coming? Because all he had was like what his Death Eater experience, which is not very conducive to supporting children. children,
4: Any of the teachers have any sort of credentials whatsoever?
2: Yeah, well, and even McGonagall would. She would. Okay. Okay.
4: I take that back from McGonagall. McG is cool. Let's just talk about Lockhart. for Lupin. A a second. Okay, he's just amazing. I know. He's private
1: tutoring. Yes, exactly. Right? He's amazing. Exactly. He's the coolest ever. Exactly. Like, private tutoring is a way to help kids, right? Um, but even look at the remedial potions that Harry had to ta- or do, right? Everyone made fun of him for it. Why are we making fun of someone for needing extra supports? That's, I don't know not fair.
2: Correct. <laughs> um, let's see. um, what about Felix as a form of like help for anxiety?
1: Felix Felicis? Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, it's like, it's, it's like pulling you way in the opposite direction. Like it's almost making you euphoric, it's too much. Right, right? It's too much.
2: Yeah. Um, I did pull some of the ingredients for it. Like there's thyme and rue which both have like anti-inflammatory effects which i thought was interesting Um, especially for like what it ends up doing for you and we also we recently did katie and i did an episode with goblet of wine shout out to them and love those girls but we talked a little bit about felix because we talked about the chapter where harry fakes giving ron the felix and we like we talked a little bit about like Does it actually do anything, or is it it. placebo? Even if you were to actually, because like Ron had the same effects almost. I mean, not to downplay Ron, but like I know stress really does play a huge role in um, in like if he does well or not with Quidditch. Like that, it's just like it's a huge stressor for him, and he overthinks it, and he. So just the fact that he thought that he had that was enough so it's like well does felix actually even do anything because it's just interesting to me
1: i mean that's why they test medication against placebos right because Mm -hmm. placebos still have an effect yeah you getting a sugar pill you still like just the act of taking something for something you've been taught like that you know what it does and you
2: think you know what's going to happen with it
1: and again bringing this back around to that like magical thought that we don't really understand right like if you get a sugar pill, or if you're Ron and you got, fit, you know, not real Felix felices, it's it's your thought process is going to convince you that that this is what should happen, and so it's going to help you, right? It's going to like lower your anxiety, all of that, and then the opposite, right? Like, have you heard of the yips?
3: Mm-mm. Okay, so I
1: feel like that's what happens to Ron a lot, right? He he gets in front of a whole crowd of people and he just bombs, even though he can play quidditch very well he he gets anxious and he fumbles and he struggles to to like perform at his peak best he has no so,
2: confidence
1: exactly yeah exactly yeah um but felix Felicis is, is like the only mention of an addictive medication or i mean a, an addictive potion um
2: we kind of also put in our notes that maybe the elixir to induce euphoria could also potentially be I, like something that could be addictive and then um, they also have a strengthening solution in Harry Potter which like we thought could be a comparison to like steroids possibly so that could be an addictive um, potion Mm -hmm. and then this is not necessarily medication but like other addictive properties in the wizarding world like there's definitely gambling we see that with the black um, or with like underground magical creature fighting and breeding and things like that, and then also we do know that there's a black market because ha- Hagrid has purchased slash won some magical creatures that way, um, and Newt has rescued creatures from those trades as well. So, and then we also have Winky, who definitely needs AA and Poor some Poor Winky. So, but <laughs> yeah, just we. She needs someone
4: to talk to too. You know. Truly, well, <laughs> she has
2: Dobby, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. talk, you know. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: Um, what do you think about a bogart being used as a form of exposure therapy? Oh, I forgot to talk about that. Oh, thank 100%. you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's what ridiculous is kind of doing in a way. That's too. literally it's what,
2: what Remus does.
1: Yeah, it's it's see, he's your
2: amazing. Thoughts. Telling you, <laughs> accurate.
4: Exactly,
1: and that's you know, um, what I find what I find so interesting about like. Uh, talking about these things is that like, we can clearly see that Harry has struggles, right? I mean, we're seeing it through his viewpoint, but what kind of interventions really are there? We're seeing the world through Harry's eyes. And yeah, he's a kid, but like this kid would be the perfect perfect example for someone who needs mental health treatment, right? And like a kid like Harry, in the real world we would wrap in services uh it would just be like an odd your parents type when you were young like we would put you in automatic therapy like you were raised by people who were abusive like we would help you with these things we would assess for these things you know um neville like he has he struggles all through the books and does anyone help him with anything no his grandma's not very
2: nice she's not very nice Um, I really don't like her. I mean, I'm just going to say it. (laughs)
1: And, like, some of the things about the wizarding world just sound so much like the Middle Ages of the real world, right? Like
2: The best example that I have of, like, Neville actually, like, Feeling good for a moment or like hearing something from somebody that is positive is whenever McGonagall basically I think it's McGonagall, right? She basically says like your grandmother needs to appreciate the grandson that she has. Yes Um, Like that is just one of like the best moments I think for Neville and like probably the first time he's ever heard something like that from from someone who's older than him who he potentially looks up to like his grandmother was never saying those things to him like oh good job and the only time that he ever got any recognition was after he almost died at, at the ministry of magic at the end of the fifth book which um it shouldn't have taken that for his grandmother to be proud of him
1: well and again going back to that attachment theory right neville his parents were gone by the time he was one as well. They, they were in a mental health institute and he was um, taken care of by his grandmother who while obviously she cared for his physical needs, clearly there were some emotional things that weren't as taken care of, right? And he really fits the bill for um, anxious, Attachment style, right? He is just he's he or even disorganized like he's just he fumbles he struggles and Like you see him throughout the whole books. He's just kind of that like doofus.
2: He's always expected to be His parents. He's always expected to be as brave or as good as his dad was. I mean, he's even he's given his dad's wand right? I mean, that's not um that's not setting him up for success, that a wand is not necessarily meant to be given to a family member. They choose you for a reason and he is not his father. So it's, it's he was put in an unfair position from the get-go mm-hmm. and you can see, I mean, thankfully he does evolve and does get better throughout the series, but I think that that's really just a testament to like the friendships that he's built more than anything. And like that was the help that he gave himself to try to to kind of get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, And you know, kind of
1: because we're talking about Neville, like we should really talk about his parents, right? Yeah. They, we talked about this on the podcast actually. Um, and we really, str- I struggled to like define a real-world example of what's going on with his parents because they went from memory to no memory, right? Um, The closest example we really have is Alzheimer's, but that's progressive, right? Like, it happens slowly over time. This was like one traumatic event that- Happened so fast. That happened so fast. And like, they just put them in the Janice Stickley ward and that's all they do. Like, they just wander around lost they have their basic needs met but they do nothing to try to help them uh i don't know regain maybe regain some memories or work on anything because i feel like they all they all they know is if we don't have a quick fix for this we're not going to do anything about it
2: and it's and it's almost like um the author uses this cop-out kind of answer a lot for like these type like gilderoy and for the long bottoms i feel where she'll just kind of answer the questions of like, why was nothing done for them? Like, how could they not be helped by saying, oh, well, because that happened with magic, there was nothing we could do. And it's like, but if that was, if that happened because of magic, I mean, I'm not expecting them to be 100% back to who they were before, but like, there has to be some sort of like, I, I don't know. I just, that seems like a cop-out answer to me that like, she just didn't want to do the research to try to like, figure out like, the opposite end of the spectrum of like things that could be done to help them not saying that she's like a lazy researcher because clearly we're talking about like all of these amazing ingredients that she's put in these potions and has done the research for this so it's like you did this there has to be something else on the opposite end of it like okay this does this but how can we counteract it there has to be counteract counteractions to certain things that happen and I feel like Neville's parents are the ones who suffered the most in the series with that. And Gilderoy. I mean, obviously, he's annoying, right? And, like, he did that to himself and it sucks. But, like, there has to be something that can help him. Because, like, imagine he did that to so many people and there was no way to go back to those people and help them either. Like, it just is very odd and bizarre to me that there's nothing that they could do.
1: I would like to add, though, and play a little bit of Devil's Advocate that, like, we can't heal everything in the real world either. We can't heal Alzheimer's, you know? We can't rewire that brain, you know? Fix those connections. And so, like, for example, with Alzheimer's, what we do is we make people comfortable. We put them in familiar environments. We have structure. We, you know, we still give them, like, love and attention. Sticking them in the Janice Thickley Award cannot be, like, a happy place to be. You know, the way that it's described is not homey Mm -hmm. at all, right? Um, And so, you know, why, if they can still like walk and talk, well, some, I think uh, Neville's mom can, I don't know if Neville's dad can, then why? And they have spells, right, that can like turn people if they're bed bound, right? Why aren't they at home? Yeah. And we do that in the real life or in the real world too, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. When people are hard, you know, it, it gets to be too much to care for someone. But like when you have magic, I don't know, it seems like so much more is possible.
4: Maybe part of the problem is that the fix wouldn't be magic, so they don't see past that. They just think, oh, there's no magical fix to help these people, when in reality, it might just be. Having them at home or putting them in a more familiar situation or somewhere that's more cozy Mm -hmm. or homey instead of just like this sterile ward. Yeah. Um, And they just, they don't dive into that kind of stuff. (laughs) They don't talk about that stuff. True.
1: Exactly. And, you know, the Harry Potter universe is in some ways kind of an exaggeration of real life, right? Like, things, uh, cheering charms make you like euphoric, right? And, um, I don't know, kind of some of the ridiculous things that happen in the books. Like we're we're meant to have this kind of like fantastical view of the world, and I think that in some ways J.K. Rowling wrote the Janice Thickley Ward like that because she's kind of bringing attention to the fact that like we do something similar in real life, and it's not it's not always fair.
2: Yes. We have about ten minutes left, and I don't know if anybody had any questions that they want to ask or if there's like, yeah, awesome.
3: And then the next day when Hermione says the same thing of like you really shouldn't have seen this, he gets mad at her. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder what your thoughts are about like Dumbledore's abandonment of Harry and sort of how that affects him emotionally and how he does avoid then those emotions in these like a big moments.
1: Oh, All yeah. my thoughts. <laughs> um, again, bringing it back to I work with children that have a lot of the struggles that Harry has. And they have been abandoned early, and they have been taught to rely on themselves. So Dumbledore has just reinforced that. I was going to say, like he had that,
2: and then felt maybe like it was getting better because he came to Hogwarts and he had Dumbledore, and then he loses Dumbledore again, exactly. so it's like, with no explanation, right?
1: Yeah, um, and then Dumbledore just continues to not be truthful with him, not tell him, tr- thinking like, okay, if I don't talk about it, maybe Harry will have more of a childhood through the
2: whole rest of the series exactly. and harry goes even into like deathly hollows feeling like he doesn't even know who dumbledore is anymore and um he again like he felt like he had dumbledore for so long and then it just gets like reinforced whenever he sees that article in the daily prophet and then hermione gets a hold of rita skeeter's book and he learns all this information he was like why on earth would like, I thought we were closer than this. So then he just questions everything, and it's like kickstarting all over again, which is terrible for him.
1: Well, and too, like, going a little bit back to attachment theory again, too. When you're really young and you don't get the support, the love, the affection, the like, your basic needs met, right? Um, you might not remember those things. And that's why we dated, but like, even even if you were, even if you um, you know, had a loving home from one year old, right? Sometimes you can still really uh, struggle with attachment. And it's because it's foundational, like unconscious memories that your body is still reacting to, right? And that's Harry just over and over and over again, like kind of given a bone, like we're gonna support you, but we're not but well, we're going to support you, but we're not. Like, if you're brave, like, we'll support you, but not, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I have a lot of opinions about Dumbledore's manipulation, and I think kind of the worst thing is when... Good thing Tiffany's not here. Right?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> She'd be like, she excuse me, what?
1: So, um, I'll give the example, and then you can act as Tiffany. and, and argue
2: with I don't them. know if I can act as Tiffany on this. <laughs> but,
1: like, Harry walks to his death, as a 17-year-old. He 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 walks to his death because it, basically every person he's ever been every like major adult figure in his life has basically taught him that he needs to be self-sacrificing, that he has to rely on himself, that he has to like he is uh, the only one that can do this, right? That's like the chosen chosen one syndrome, right?
2: And but I am the chosen
1: one. Right, but <laughs> kids, shouldn't, kids should, in real life, kids shouldn't have to think that way. But they do if they have never had anyone fully support them over the years.
2: Sometimes I have such a hard time actually like remembering and realizing how old they are as I'm reading this. It's like- You mean how young? Well, I, yeah. I know, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just being dumb. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, um, but it's like we're, like we're in the middle of Half-Blood Prince right now in our podcast and it's like they're dealing like Harry is dealing with so much on his shoulders with Dumbledore and these memories and taking in all this information about Voldemort. And and I'm like, he is 16. And then I think to myself and like what I was doing when I was 16. And I'm like, I wouldn't, my brain would just not be there. No, it's like I was listening to Good Charlotte and wanting to go to concerts and, <laughs>
3: She going to warp
2: tour, <laughs> reading fan fiction, like, <laughs> yeah, waiting for Ron and Hermione to get together.
1: And that's what's so like rich about this world too. Is sometimes like I read, I read a lot of fan fiction uh, over the. I've read a lot of fan over the years. And something that's fun is like when they explore those avenues that aren't explored in the books. Like I've I've read ones where there's like actual like addictive or like um, treatment for people who have addictions or like mental health treatment for werewolves right that's one we barely touched on actually i know um, it was in our notes we ran right yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the stigma right of being of, of having um being a werewolf like that takes a toll on you mentally um yeah yeah it's a rich world that uh that a lot of people out there have explored and deep dived into so
2: so makes it so great yeah we probably have time for one more before we wrap it up if anybody else has another question
3: yeah this is more just a comment that um, sure it fits in with a lot of what you guys have said ariana dumbledore if she had gotten like instant therapy i don't think she would have ended up dead like after her attack because she went through a terrible trauma and her family's response to her like shutting down and, and saying like okay this happened to me because of magic so i can't use my magic was to hide her away when things started to go bad if she had gotten therapy she probably
1: wouldn't be dead. There's a real world example of that too. Um, kids sometimes, if they've had a lot of trauma, can have what's called like intermittent explosive disorder, and it's like where you were repressing and repressing and repressing your emotions so much, and your, you know, the things that have happened to you, and then you just explode with aggression or anger, and it's a stress response, right? Like we, uh, so people who have intermittent explosive disorder can just like blow up at the drop of a hat, but. Therapies can help with that. Like we have real world treatments for that. So why couldn't they have the same for what what's what is it that Ariagra Ariel Ariel
4: She's an obscurious. obscurial? Obscurial. An obscurial. Yeah.
1: I feel like obscurials don't need to exist.
4: No, they don't. We just need proper Ariana mental stories. Mental health
2: treatment. Freaking sad.
4: Ariana Grande,
2: that's gonna live with that's, me all day. I, I'm gonna all walk day. around all day today and just giggle sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that was great, that was great. Um, do we? Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and also about your, your book that is coming out.
1: Yes, so I had a mental health podcast, but I put it on hold to fulfill my dreams of being an author. Um, so... Well, the podcast
2: is still out there, and it's yes. very good, and you should go and listen to it.
1: Yes, uh, the, first off, the podcast, yeah, you can still find it out there, It was called Don't Call Me Crazy, um, and what I would do is, it was like a variety show, I'd interview people about, like... It was like a, a conversation, right? Like this, right? Where we talk, we kind of talk around a central subject that was important to that person. Um, there was an episode on HIV, right? I, had a, I have a friend who, who has had HIV since the 80s. We talked about his mental health through the years, right? Um, I had a friend who, we talked about postpartum. I had postpartum disorder, but. Um, so it's still out there, but I wrote a book and it is going to hopefully be published next year or it might be 2024. 20, um, but if you add me on Instagram or uh, my website, uh you can get on like a mailing list for when the book comes out. Um, and if you add me, I will give you a free Luna Lovegood sticker here. And They're really cute. They details. are cute. What's that? They're really, They're really cute. cute stickers. <laughs> they are really cute stickers. Um, I also do art.
4: I'm, I'm all over She does it all.
1: <laughs> she does
2: everything. I'm a
1: Ravenclaw, okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is definitely a Ravenclaw and Slytherin thing. It's, Very much so. Yeah. My
1: Hufflepuff partner has to pull me back all the time. Like, you need rest and relaxation, girl. Like, you preach this. Why aren't you doing it? Um, but my business cards are up here, too, and they are also bookmarks. Um, so my socials are on the back, and I did the art on them, So.
2: And if you want to follow Katie and I, we are, again, with Swish and Flick Podcast. We also have a third co-host, Tiffany. And you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Swish SwishFlickCast. And then mine and Katie's personal Instagram is The Petrus Family. Lots of dogs and cats. Lots of dogs and cats. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, my social needs is uh, Vanessa period of all trades. That makes sense.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But thank you guys so much for um, choosing to come to our talk today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, have a good rest of your day. (gasps) Amazing! my voice! (laughs)